Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cosmic Connection. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh. I'm the founder of Astrology Hub, and I am here with Rick Merlin Levine. And the Cosmic Connection is your place to come. I love it. It's always something different with you. Um, the Cosmic Connection is your place to come and explore the beauty and the order of the cosmos and your connection to it all. And we are so, so very happy that you're all here today. Today's topic, we're going to take last week's topic and go now into the zodiac glyphs. So last week we did the, a deep dive on the planetary glyphs. If you missed that, I highly recommend going back and watching it. It is, it's really hard for me to rank my favorite shows, uh, but it's definitely up there with one of my favorite shows. And Rick, just simple things like the way you went from explaining Mercury with the antenna on top to Venus, the same symbol, but without the antenna, because our values are the things that we hold that we don't actually download from anywhere else. They're just ours, they're contained in us. Little things like that have been so powerful to just contemplate. All yeah, Venus, Venus is simply Mercury without the antenna, without words, right. without being able to send and receive information. Yes, that alone was like, whoa. And then and then the Jupiter with the, the hope and the, you know, that crescent moon receiving the inspiration and bringing that into form. All, all, everything you explained last week was so amazing. And it's just cool. taken the understanding of astrology to another level. And I, it's like this limitless, endless unfolding. And it's just so fun to do it all with you and all of you out there too. So thank you. So today we're going to take it a step further and we're going to go into the planetary, I mean, into the zodiac glyphs and we're going to break it up into two parts because I learned the lesson last time. <laughs> There's no way we're gonna go through 12 signs in one hour. So we're gonna do the first six signs, Aries through Virgo today, and then we'll do the next six next week. Before we dive in, Rick, can you please just take a moment because level two, Astrology Foundation's level two is now officially open for enrollment. Yeah. Can, we, can you just speak a little bit about the flow of the curriculum, like what everybody's gonna be learning? If we could just start there, I think that would be really helpful for people to understand what they're going to be learning in that course. Well, yeah, I, th I think the thing, the main thing to understand is that astrology is a never ending study. I know that that's frustrating to people who want to just go out and learn it. Uh, by the way, when you said um, we couldn't get through 12 signs in an hour, I could get through 12 signs. If you gave me a stopwatch and said you have um, 120 seconds, you have two minutes, go through the meaning of all 12 signs, I could do it. Not a problem. Yes. Um, and maybe at the end of next week as a review, after we do the second half of the signs, I'll go, okay, 120 seconds, the meaning of all 12 signs. The point is that we could spend an entire session on the meaning of any one sign, yes. because that's the nature of astrology is that it's fractal and un unending. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically, uh, level two is really um, rather than a first A, then B, then C. It's really like um, in, in level one, um, we basically took a smattering of it all. In level two, we're going to basically take that smattering of it all and just explode every aspect of it a little more. It's not like we're going to start off and now, now we're ready to learn trigonometry because we learned how to multiply. No, we're not really going to be doing anything that's totally, completely different that wasn't already 
um, the stage wasn't already set in level one. I mean, we talked about things like midpoints, and I just mentioned it in a, in a passing. Well, that'll become something that we'll dig into. We talked about um, transits. I mean, that was a half hour, you know, one of the lessons, and we'll spend a whole module on that, um, and, and, and even more. But the point is, is that there's nothing in level two it's like a good play you know you don't have an act three where a gun appears that wasn't already shown in act one i shouldn't have used a gun bad image um you know a, a, a one's feather i i don't know something <laughs> nice um but 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 the thing is is that um level two will be and i think it's it's um, expressed in the title it's widening and deepening and so, um, you know, if, if, if you took level one and you want to know what we're going to get in level two, it's going to be the same thing, only completely different. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, so we will, um, rather than having to spend time, though, uh, really just explaining the very, what I called the, 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 the bricks, the, the bricks to the foundation, it's almost like building a first floor now. And um, and we're going to spend a lot of time, most of our time, looking at charts. Um, and in looking at charts, uh, we will then be able to better understand some of the concepts that we that we put out in in level one. Um, also in level two, um, I'm going to be suggesting that um, that the people who are in level two who are wanting to learn more about astrology and other people's charts are also going to be encouraged and we will have a uh, a structure for them to do that uh, to dig into their own charts because uh, one doesn't come without the other you can't just learn about everyone else without learning about yourself and so there will be that facet to this uh, to the level two also mm, very nice okay so class officially begins on february 12th you can hop in now and start to take advantage of your bonuses. You can go to astrologyhub.com slash foundations to the number two to learn more and um, dive in deeper on each of the modules and see if this is right for you. If you missed level one, it is not a requirement, but it is a recommendation to take um, and you get 10% off of level one when you join level two so if you do want to do that um you can save a little bit and you have enough time to actually get through all that content before a level two officially begins so and 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 remember to remind also that uh inner circle members and my patreon subscribers also get their special discount and their codes are available from yes. you and or from me yes they do get their special 20 percent off and that is um, in there, in your email, you've received from us. Also, in your membership portal, you'll have the discount code to use. Um, and Rick, I know, has also sent that out to Patreon Patreon members via email. Yeah, so. and some of some of the people have had trouble with the Patreon um, uh, discount code. If you do, let me know. We'll get it straightened out. Perfect. All right. So let's dive in. This what we're gonna do with these with the the cosmic connection from last week, this week, and next week for all the level one and the level two students is we're going to actually distill this information into study guides. So actual PDF documents that you can refer to later. But let's just dive into Aries through Virgo, Zodiac, Glyphs, why they are what they are, understanding those deeper. 
Sure. Now, when we're looking at the glyphs, again, what we need to remember is that these glyphs have come into being kind of as a way of um, capturing the energy of the various planet signs. <clears throat> uh, it's, it, it, we have to remember that our, our language, English, is not a glyphic language and that there's something that happened to our consciousness historically as we went from writing being what we call glyphic or pictorial even to this kind of um, uh, language. I know there must be a name for it, but this linearization of, of symbols that now have been separated from their initial meaning. And in fact, um, when we look at, you know, like um, um, Mesopotamia and its cuneiforms or Egypt and its hieroglyphs, the word glyph, um, or even Japanese and Chinese, which have glyphic um, forms that are not the same as our alphabet, which basically it's almost two different ways of viewing reality. So if I write a sentence or say a sentence about a sign, I'm actually in effect using the alphabetic concept where we're making a series of statements that end in a, in, in a, in a, in a punctuation mark, in a period. But if I'm drawing a picture, <clears throat> they become like Rorschach ink blots where you look at the picture and it's like, well, what do you think? <laughs> Except these pictures are pictures that instead of, instead of looking at a splattering of ink and telling us your fantasy, it's the other way around. It's people have had the fantasy and then tried to put it into these little simplified glyphic forms that actually represent, you know, what, what, what it is. And you may not remember this, Amanda, but when I, when I kind of think about glyphs, when I was a kid, there was a um, series of TV commercials that were for um, a new kind of cereal um, that were Quaker puffed oats, Quaker puffed rice, Quaker puffed, um, puffed wheat. Um, they, and they were like exploded. They were, they were rather than just having like some heavy grain. And their, their um, commercials were basically an animated thing of um, we take, you know, we take the corn, puffed corn. We take the corn and we shoot it out of a gun, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and it explodes and it puffs. Well, I know you're wondering where the hell is he going with this? One? <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's like around the beginning of the Aramaic and the Phoenician and then the uh, Hebrew and Greek languages. It's like we took these, these symbols that were, that, that had inherent compact meaning. And it's like we put them into this Quaker Oats gun. I think it was Quaker Oats. Um, uh, may have been po I don't even remember now. But, but and it was like they became exploded and fragmented. And so we forget that there are people in the world who don't even have this view that we have because the language we speak and write is so basic to understanding that when we look at the glyphs, we're really stepping back in time. We're looking at something that in, in a way predated the concept of letters forming together. You can take three letters like, like, like O, G, and D, and you could make those same three letters dog or God. 
<laughs> which is very different than having a picture of a dog. Now, arguably, there are some people who think their dogs are God, and that's okay too. But um, so I just wanted to kind of mention that as we go into these glyphs, um, which is why we could spend uh, uh, minutes, hours, days, months talking about any one glyph, because we're really talking about the pictures and how they actually inform um, the meanings that we've um, that we give to each of the signs and or each of the planets. Okay. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. So shall I share my screen and 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 go to the first sign? Yes, please. It's time for that. And so for those of you listening on the podcast, if you want to check out the video and see the actual glyphs, you can go to Astrology Hub's YouTube channel or the astrologyhub.com slash podcast webpage or Facebook or Instagram. Those are all the places where the video lives. And for most of this, they could actually go to any astrology book or if they know the signs, they could just simply scribble the signs in front of them and follow along that way. I mean, there will Very be some true. things beyond that, but the, but we're basically, um, there's not going to be any fancy graphics and complicated charts. Um, the screen that I'll be sharing is basically a screen of the, of the, um, of the actual glyph itself. With a little bit of luck, we should have an Aries here. Yes, do we? we do. Um, so here we have the symbol for Aries. So this this symbol, there we go. I can do it that way. Um, for Aries is is a pretty common symbol. There are a few symbols where we see variations on them, where 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 some people draw them one way. It's it's like um, how do you make your S's when you're writing in script? You know, do you do it this way or that way? Uh, there are there are certain um, signs that also have alternatives, and we will get that signs and and and, and planets. So with Aries, uh, one can look at this and imagine the horns of a ram. I mean, in a way, if you drew in a, a face down here and, you, and there are artists and I don't have a collection of these, if I was on my toes, I might, but you can go and look for the various glyphs. There are people who have turned these glyphs into pictures. I mean, there are hundreds of variations of them um, online and in books and magazines everywhere. And um, and often you see the Aries glyph turned into the horns of, of, of the ram. And yet the actual glyph itself is really representing something else also. And to say that it's one or another would be incorrect. That's the temptation of us moderners. The fact of the matter is that these symbols represent all of that. And if they represent something else to you, that's cool too. Throw it in the chat box, throw it in the comments, uh, because that's the magic of these glyphs is that we all have different ways of taking the picture, the pictograph or the glyph and putting it into our minds. But what we really have in Aries is we have singularity coming into manifestation. Now, what the hell do I mean by that? We have, um, as singularity, there is no I versus you. There is no one to say, I feel good, because in order to say that, you have to ha have some perspective of yourself. In other words, if you can say I, you already have an implied duality. So with Aries, it starts with the pre-manifestation. Um, I, I, I think of this 
um, this hymn, which is one of my favorite hymns from the Vedas. Uh, It's from it's from one of the maybe the oldest Veda, which is basically a collection of verbal um, tradition that was then put down. You can might even call it the Hindu Bible. It's not really quite like that. But this this um, little thing that I'm going to share with you from the Rig Veda um, is a hymn of creation. And I'm not going to do it verbatim, but you'll get the idea. It goes in the beginning. There was neither black nor white. In the beginning, there was neither up nor down. There was neither in nor out. There was neither male nor female. There was neither good nor evil. And it goes on for like in some of these Vedas, it goes on for what feels like pages. They go, you know, in the beginning, there was neither this nor that. In the beginning, there was neither existence nor non-existence. And then it goes, but who knows for sure? Who truly knows? And it goes, only he, and I like to go he, she, but that's just our modern perspective. But it says, only he who sits on his throne in heaven, only he knows for sure, or perhaps he does not. <laughs> it's one of the most brilliant hymns that's done in a deep sense of humility of trying to understand something with as those people who know my work, my favorite punchline to almost anything, and my answer to most things is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's why aren't humans giraffes? Why do they have short necks? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so <clears throat> Aries is that magic of nothingness becoming somethingness. And in fact, although we're now going to be foreshadowing Pisces, Pisces is the nothingness that we all eventually, everything eventually melts into. This this open, empty sea of consciousness, the seas of creation. It's, it's there's that that's Pisces, and it's from because because a circle, even though in astrology we say Aries is the first sign of the zodiac because we make it into a linear form where we go Aries, Stars, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, blah, 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 blah. All right, so there is no beginning in a circle. There are points that we mark, but the circle is continuous. And so Aries comes out of Pisces, like Taurus comes out of Aries, like Gemini comes out of Taurus. And so there's this ongoing movement of one sign morphing or, or evolving or transmutating into the next sign. So Aries as the glyph comes out of nothing at the bottom here. And yet you might even think of this as a, um, as a fountain. <laughs> um, I can think of it, there's a Grateful Dead song that goes, there is a fountain um, that was not made by the hands of men. Um, you know, there it, it's it's that expression of <clears throat> um, one might say in the Catholic mytho- um, symbolism, it's the expression of um, of the um, Holy Spirit coming from emptiness, manifesting into material Son of God into the material form here on Earth. But Aries, as that symbol, is it's it's even though it's action-oriented because it denotes that first moment of spring, it's also intellectual. Because remember, in the beginning, there was the Word. Aries is the beginning. And the Word was God and God was the Word. That whole concept has again to do, I think we talked about this last week, it has to do with the logos, with the connection between voice being a manifestation 
of that which didn't exist before. And that's what Aries is. But because of that, Aries has to do with the head. And now we have the symbol. It's this manifestation that actually has to, that connects Aries to the head because, because it is the idea, it is the thought that 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 pre predates pre-states it it come it, it's pre-existent to the actual expression itself so aries astrologically rules the head and in fact the symbol of aries if you think of it as the horns of the ram the horns of any animal grows out of what it's the head it comes out of the head and you can always tell the person with the strong aries energy in their chart i don't necessarily mean sun sign but they're the person who's walking with their head first you know you, i mean you can visualize you know some per, some people walk one way and there are those people when they're walking it looks like they're going somewhere whether they are or not that's an aries energy because it's leading leading with the head so the other thing about the um, the the uh, idea of Aries being of of the head is that we're always in humans. It's our um, prefrontal cortex that makes us different than all the other animals on the uh, planet, all the other mammals. Even the use of that in our brain is how we navigate into a future that doesn't yet exist. It's the part of us that Bucky Fuller called um, the anticipatory design part of the brain, where we could actually create scenarios in our head and then make the, them into some sort of prioritized order so that we actually could figure out where we were going to go next. And Aries, although it's the sign of now, it's really always the sign of how now turns into the next. So that's the short version of the symbol for 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 Aries. Um, uh, you know, Aries is first, and the and the fact of the matter, it is it is the fountain. It is the one becoming many. Ah, it's also. Um, I'm glad I didn't go on until I thought of this story. It's also when an acorn first begins to sprout above the ground, um, or let's say. Um, um, or let's say just a piece of common grass. The two of them just coming up above the ground look the same. They're just a little green nudge through the earth. And that's Aries is it's the undifferentiated primal energy that through its urge is coming into manifestation, but it's not yet defined. And so when we look at this symbol of Aries, we can see that it begins <clears throat> down here in the earth. It begins at the bottom coming upward as like a simple sprig of grass, if you will. But whether that turns into an, you know, an oak tree that lives 300 years um, or a shoot of grass that lasts one year, um, we can't tell yet. Uh, we'll begin to get clues as soon as we get to Taurus. I, um, as, as I think you know, I do a fair amount of photography. Um, if my career in astrology ever failed and I couldn't sell my poems, um, my third piece in line would be, um, I would be, uh, I could make money doing photography. And 
um, and, and I'm particularly interested in my photography, although I love shooting people, that sounds wrong. I love taking pictures of people and, um, and nature and scenery. Um, I, 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 my eye always goes for patterns. I, I love looking at nature's patterns and, uh, um, and, and the symmetries in nature. And I spent a lot of time behind the camera with a magnifying or a macro lens of doing very close up work. Um, and, um, and, and I'll actually make sure I have this picture to share next week when we start. I, I don't have it at my fingertips right now, but I became fascinated with the micro photography or macro close up photography of dandelions because dandelions are an ultimate Aries statement. Dandelions can grow from, from shoot, um, from just coming up above the ground to full flower in one day. That's how fast they grow. Wow. Like an onion. Onions grow crazy fast when they're growing. Wow. And Aries is, a, is, that, is that sense of now. It's that speed that happens at the very beginning. At the very beginning of things, things happen faster than they do later on when they kind of settle into a pace, one of the laws of how the universe works. So I, and I'm, and I'm told also by a friend who's a beekeeper that when there are dandelions up, bees forget about everything else. It's like it's like they're so compelling that they will that bees will go to the dandelions because there's something that's so juicy, fruity, something um, because dandelions do that. Well, so one day I'm out springtime of year and I began photographing dandelions close up and um, got them back into my computer and began looking at them and magnifying some of them. And I came to this oh my God moment when I realized that when you look at a dandelion, what you're seeing is hundreds of little, they're like stamens. They're, that, those are the things that eventually become the seeds. Every one of them looks like, looks like, looks like this. Oh, it looks like wow. every one of them comes up and looks just like a glyph of Aries. Wow, it is, was so absolutely cool. crazy. And they are so Aries because that's how fast Aries doesn't pay any attention to the boundaries. It says, all I have is this moment and I'm going to put everything I have right now into this moment. Ugh. And of course, I shouldn't go on without noting that um, uh, it's been said that I carry over the legal limit of planets in Aries. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. I love that dandelion story. I'm so happy you shared that. Very, very visual. I, at this rate, Rick, we're going to get through three today. Nah, I'm an Aries, so we spent more time on Aries. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> now everybody else is going to feel like they didn't they didn't get the full picture. And that'll be correct. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is my romp through the zodiac. It's my sign. I no, Taurus. That's so Aries <clears throat> of you. So um, very Aries of me. Um, so. Taurus is, is rather simplistic, and in a way, it's a variation of Aries, because we still have the horns. Now, I know last week we talked about all of the planets being made up of very specific um, symbols, um, the sphere of potentiality, the crescent of receptivity, the cross of materiality. 
Well, things become a little more complicated in the signs because the signs are often less energetic, which is what the planets really are, than they are the energy manifested in material, you know, in, in materialness. Because the 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 um, the, the the signs themselves um, are actually um, are actually real things. And and I also should stop here just for a moment. I'm going to tell you another very quick story, but it's very important in understanding as we look at signs. Um, I remember a number of years ago, many years ago, um, listening to um, uh, Rob Hand talking about. Um, uh, what we lose in translation. And, um, and, and he was talking about how to the Greeks, the word zodiac came from a Greek word zoidion, uh, which I might not be pronouncing correctly because my ancient Greek is a little bit weak these days because I haven't used it in a couple of thousand years, <laughs> that the word zodiac actually means zoo. That, that's, I mean, the etymological origin of our modern word zoo comes from the word zodiac. And the zodiac um, was considered to be a zoo or a menagerie. Now, when the word zodiac, what is, you know, you know, where are you in the zodiac? How are you connected to the zodiac? When the word zodiac was translated into Latin by the Romans, or while that whole new language, new way of looking at the world came into being, the word zodiac actually became sign. So that instead of us saying, what's your zodiac, we say, what's your sign? Rob points out that here's one of the subtle problems that happens in translation, that with the word sign, the planets, I'm sorry, with the word sign, the actual zodiac symbols lost their life <laughs> because no longer were they a living menagerie Wow. They became substitutions that represented something else, which is what a sign is. It's subtle, but it's very powerful because the word, the modern word sign comes from the Latin word signus, which is when something stands for something else. So we're looking at signs, but we're also looking at, at glyphs that still have that living energy tied up with them. So in Taurus, Yes, we have the sphere of potentiality um, and above it is the crescent of receptivity, but that's not quite what this symbol really represents. This symbol really represents the face of a cow or of a bull. Uh, why a bull? Well, because it's a male cow and then uh, remember astrology was written by guys for guys. So, so this cow has horns. <laughs> it's horny. Um, but basically, this symbol really represents um, that concept of, um, I mean, you could almost put in eyes and a, and a little face here and turn this, an artist, a visual artist, um, could probably quickly and easily turn that into the face of a bull. And that's really what this symbol is. I mean, one could say that, yes, there is the, you know, you know what about the sphere? You know, what about the crescent? It's kind of lost here in these symbols because these symbols more represent pictorial relationships to what is. And, um, and I suppose I could have a whole lot more to say um, about this symbol, um, except I don't. <laughs> Not because I'm an Aries, but because the symbol, like the sign, all right, I do have more to say, and I'm going to say it. The symbol, 
like the sign, represents the simplicity of the cow. Um, many years ago, I had a very dear friend tell me something about, I said something about, well, Taurus the cow. And they go, you can't tell that to a client. You know, I go, well, yeah, I can. You can't call, can't, you have a woman sitting with you as a client. You can't say, well, yours is the sign of the cow. I go, well, actually I can for two reasons. One, I'm an Aries. Um, well, actually three reasons. Two, I have Gemini rising. I can make it sound okay. And three, here's how I would make it sound okay. That until relatively recently, the cow was the most revered mammal. It was the, the holy cow, holy cow. It was the sacred calf. It was the golden calf. Um, it was the animal that was most widely worshipped because it gave of itself milk without necessarily depleting itself. Well, that may not be completely true, but that was the belief. Um, and because the cow was very kind, it was very simple, um, and, um, and, and there was this whole sense, sense that in modern times, we've devalued the cow to being what makes a burger at McDonald's, <laughs> you know, um, and, and or some someone who is just like, you know, as a British saying, um, you silly cow, you know. Um, but but the point of the matter is that there's nothing that cows are absolutely magnificent and beautiful and that Taurus is the cow. It's Taurus the cow, mm. except we name things after the male. We don't go Leo the lioness. We'll get to her in a few minutes. Um, but the fact is that we have to understand that that Taurus is not just the charging bull, which is represented in the glyph. It's not just the bull whose ire has been aimed and the bull for a moment forgets that it's simple and sensible and sensual. And for a moment, it thinks it's an Aries. And so it gets all worked up and it charges, which is what an Aries would do. I always think of Ferdinand the bull. Um, you know, Ferdinand just wanted to hang out in the field and chewing the flowers, smelling the flowers, laying in the grass, soaking up the sun. That's so Taurian uh, because Taurus is of the senses. With Taurus, I always say, if you take care of the senses, everything else will take care of itself. Mm. You know, I think of Taurus as, you know, as, as good food, uh, good wine, if you're so inclined, um, uh, fine sheets and linens, high count, high count linens, um, uh, a, a little bit of money in the bank um, to buy things and to pay for rent, that sense of security, which all has to do with how we maintain our, our, our position, ourself. Um, uh, Taurus is, is about maintaining that sense of, um, of, of self in a simple back to basics, foundational, fundamental way. You were gonna say something. Well, a couple questions. I mean, so basically you're saying that the signs are more literal. They're more literal representations of a thing. Whereas- the Compared to the planets. Right, because the, the exactly. planets were, were more energetic. They were encapsulating exactly. an energy that then gets manifest, but it's the, the symbol itself was more of an energetic imprint and I'm just curious about Taurus. It, it. I'm sure everybody asks this, but it definitely has nothing to do with that. It has the top part of Venus. It has nothing to do with that. Well, it's actually it has the top part of Mercury. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. It's the yeah. top part of Mercury. Okay. And, 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 and if you, and if you cut off the horns, <laughs> um, and it became just the cow without the horns, which is because remember the, the, the right. cow, the, uh, a, a bovine with horns is a bull, a bovine without horns is a cow. Right. And so it's Taurus, the bull, not Taurus, the cow. But in fact, that's why I wanted to make the difference. And I, I'm glad that you brought it back up to reemphasize it, that with the planets, planets are energetic. Planets are energies. Signs is how those energies manifest in the three-dimensional world. The signs or the zodiac are living, with the exception of Libra, are not that Libras aren't living, but Libra is the only sign that isn't that doesn't breathe. You know, mm -hmm. that isn't alive as we know it. It's not animated. Um, and, and but we can't talk about Libra until next week. Um, but but yeah, your point is well taken, except it's not the top of Venus. It's the top of Mercury. If we took the horns off of it, it would then become Venus. But that's why I wanted to say that the planets are more strictly it, it adhered to the sacred geometry of the energetics, mm -hmm. whereas with the with the um, I'm sorry, the planets adhere more strictly to the energetics, whereas the signs become more pictorial in representation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Enough here, Taurus. Well, I know that you well. So maybe this is the exception to what you said in the beginning that you could spend a whole session on each sign. Oh, of course we could spend more on Taurus. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> I we, think it's good. Well, um, well, you know, and the, just one last thing is Taurus is a fixed sign. And it's interesting that Taurus has that sphere of potential at the bottom. You know, there's something about Taurus that says there's something more important than the idea of what's in the head. Mm. It, 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 is, it, it is going up, but it's not going up just into the realm of ideas. Aries is ideas. It's, it's, you know, we think of that as Aries will return again in Gemini, um, you know, where it becomes more mental. <clears throat> but, you know, Taurus is an earth sign. And I, I think that the symbol for Taurus, most simplistically stated, is that it's a very simple pictorial representation of the horns of a bull on a bull. Yeah. And now we get to the sign of two. Uh, you know, with Gemini, again, to look at this from a standpoint of sacred geometry wouldn't wouldn't quite do it. It's just very simply, it's a very simple glyphic pictorial representation of duality. And here's where the sign, every other sign has more connection than the signs that are next door to each other. If we go back to the concept <clears throat> that signs of the same polarity the, the young, expressive, positive polarity would be every other sign starting with Aries, skip Taurus, Aries, Gemini, skip Cancer, um, uh, Leo, etc. That Aries and Gemini have more in common than Aries and its next door neighbors, Pisces or Taurus. In Gemini, the singularity of the pre-expressed energy of Aries as it expresses upwards, in Gemini, becomes disconnected from the origin point and is now perceived as multiplicity. Gemini is about duality. And in duality, there is a subject and an object. Duality presents an interesting 
thing that has not yet appeared in the zodiac. And that is with duality, there's some place to go, and that would be from here to there. <laughs> Two points. You know, in, in Aries, it's just undifferentiated expression outward. But we're not going anywhere. We're just going somewhere. <laughs> we're just expressing outward. It's the, the, the germinating seed poking out. You know, it's the, it's the newborn baby who doesn't yet have its PhD in molecular biology or has not yet become a famous rock star or whatever. It's just simply, here it is, it's undifferentiated possibilities, Aries. In Taurus, it begins to gain a little bit of um, earthiness, a, a, bit, a bit of presence. And in fact, if we, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, if we look at the um, glyphs also relating to the seasons, um, that in Aries, again, it's just that germinating seed poking out above, you know, above the earth. Don't know what it is. In Taurus, that new growth begins to become twiggy. It becomes, it becomes woody. Um, it becomes, it, it, it gets stability. And, and there's a connection between Taurus and wood and being a carpenter or building or making things because, because it's that sense of Taurus of, of creating, creating uh, material reality, stability. In Gemini, the energy becomes fragmented. Now, using that metaphor of something germinating, then becoming having some wood, some structure stability to it, what on the plant then begins to create variety, <laughs> multiplicity, that would be the leaves. And that's what Gemini is about. It's the leaves and the fluttering in the air and that en energy of, um, of the expression of there isn't just one seed with one germinating point. Now there's, you know, um, a thousand um, points of receiving sunlight that that has now become, and this becomes how the brain works. This is why Gemini connected with Mercury, why Gemini has to do with, with thought. It has to do with, with that back and forth exchange um, that happens via language. But Gemini is ultimately duality. In the heavens, Gemini is the twins. Gemini, Gemini is the twins. Why shouldn't that be Gemini are the twins? But I think it's Gemini is the twins. Castor and Pollux are two very different takes, but they are connected as anyone who is a twin is connected. But in a way, we are all through that Gemini concept connected with everyone else. In fact, I don't know if you remember that childhood game of playing dots where you have a, a, a page full of dots and you take turns drawing lines. And the idea is to um, who makes the most squares. Every time you make a square, you put your initial on it. What kind of childhood did you have? Okay. <laughs> we didn't play that game. Um, well, there's the difference between you and me. Um, anyhow, Gemini is basically about connecting the dots. Uh, it, it doesn't care what, what the dots are or what they're connecting to. Uh, you know, I've gotten into trouble before for saying, which I'm going to again, um, that Geminis are the information sluts of the Zodiac. There's no differentiation. It's just, you, get, you got information, give it to me, baby. You know, I, I want more. I want more data. I, I'm curious. I want to know more things um, because 
everything I learn creates another fragmented piece of that duality of, of me and it or self and other or just the mutuality in the universe. And, and while we're talking about duality, it's important to understand that um, in duality, it's not, it's not just someone who um, is, can't make up their mind or is confused or doesn't have a point of view. It's their point of view is very specific. And that is that things arise mutually. That's a very specific way of looking at things. When something happens, everything is not one. So it gets back to something I've said here before, and that is from a distance, something looks like a point. From, from 100 yards, we can see something and go, I think that's a beehive. The closer and closer and closer we get to it, we realize that that beehive has thousands of little things going on that are all different and everything. And there's all this energy. And in fact, if we then look at a bee, we can realize the bee itself is, in other words, we go in and in and in. From a distance, any brood of complexity looks like a point. Gemini is get close enough to see how that point be, breaks down into multiplicity. I think of Gemini as the, the AM radio, where you're always tuning. And in a way, Gemini energy and the glyph of Gemini, that duality, what it really means to me is Yahoo. You know what Yahoo means? You know, the, the company Yahoo, when they first came into being, the only other search engine at that time was a, was a company called Alta Vista. This is all pre-Google. I, 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 mean, I was an early um, adopter in the uh, computer world. And when Yahoo came along, it was the first company that offered a search engine aside from Alta Vista. And Yahoo, Y-A-H-O-O, -O, stood for you always have other options. Wow. That was it. Wow. So here's Gemini that looks at life as an AM radio uh, spectrum. And with Gemini, there's a feeling that as committed as, as I, as a Gemini might be to you as a person, the Gemini knows that all I need to do is change stations. That it's not that I am not committed to you, that I don't love you, that I don't think that about whatever all that is, but the Gemini's way of looking at the universe which is misinterpreted as, oh, they can't make commitments or, oh, they're shallow. No, they, they have width, not depth. But width, we make this value judgment that depth is more important than width. And that's an argument that I think is fair at times. But at times, I think it's the width that saves us rather than the depth. And Gemini, as the sign of two, of, of, of twins, of mutuality, is not that I can't commit. It's that I'm committed to understanding the universe as arising in mutuality, which means that if black arises, so does white. If good arises, so does evil. It goes back to that hymn of creation that I recited earlier, that in the beginning, there was neither this nor that, there was neither this nor that, there was neither up nor down, there was well, Gemini is the, okay, it's arrived. There is up and down, there is male and female, there is good and evil, there is, and that's what Gemini is, and that's what the symbol represents. Nice. All right, Rick, is Taurus, I mean, is Aries the only one that 
the body part that's associated with it is represented in the glyph or are there others like does Taurus somehow indicate the body part that it's associated with Gemini, etc.? Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Taurus, you might be able to, I mean, if, if I were to look at Taurus and I would say, where's the body part, I would say it's right there. Right. You know, it's at the bottom of it because with Taurus, the body part would be the vocal cord. Well, not even the vocal cords, but the throat, you know, the, the, the thymus, the, um, this part right here, the neck. Um, and so no, if this, if this glyph was true to the body parts, we would have the glyph of Taurus being a giraffe. <laughs> so and no, or yes, I don't remember how the question was phrased. <laughs> well, Aries so far is the only one where you can see it in the glyph. Yeah, in, in Gemini, um, I think here, the leap that one could take is that the pri one of the primary dualities in human life, in life, is breathing in and out, <clears throat> exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale. And the duality of that is that those two twins together make up breath, the twins of inhalation and exhalation. And Gemini um, has to do with that part of our body that is the upper respiratory system. You know, it's, it is vocalization too, but it's, you know, it's, it's the um, bronchioles and the upper respiratory. So there might be a connection, but not the same as it was in Aries. Right. Maybe the same as it is in Cancer. Cancer is an interesting one. Um, you know, cancer um, really represents now, if you think of the duality of Gemini, remember Gemini is, is the twins is always two. In cancer, is there a duality? Yeah. I mean, look at it. It's one thing represented twice, but flipped on itself. You know, it's, it's the, you know, six, nine. And no, it's not a 69 but it is the six and the nine, they are in fact mirror images of one another. And so in fact, in cancer, we have those opposite energies. Here we might think of it as the ebbing and the flowing of the tide. Because remember, cancer is Latin for crab and the crabs live in that intertidal zone where the tide is always flowing one way or another. And the symbol of cancer in a way has two moons, it has two crescents of receptivity, except they're flowing in opposite directions, the tides rising and falling. And yet, if we look at this as a whole, the opposite forces are now contained in what we might call a hard outer shell. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so the symbol of cancer really represents the noise of the opposite flows of water, emotions, feelings um, are now basically hidden in order to preserve the existence of the flow. Does it have anything to do with, I, I feel like I've heard Gemini Brett talk about this too. And I don't know if you're seeing, if you see it this way too, but the, the movement of the sun on the horizon and how it goes, it goes, it's the sunset and the way that it sets each night it moves like this and then it comes back and then it goes yeah um the answer the answer to your question um is i've not heard that um if brett has said that i would believe that there is truth to it um and i can see it as you you know as you did that 
um, it's it, it's not it's it's not yeah it's not within my scope to really um, say more about that other than yeah again the magic of these glyphs is that they are like Rorschach ink tests or patterns that have yeah. very specific meanings and so if we we can project those meanings onto it I mean one could tilt this a little further um, I can't do it in this program. But um, one could tilt this a little bit further, and one could actually see the two eyes of the crab coming out from its shell. Uh, I mean, I've I, I've had that experience, where um, and I have also I have some photographs from Indonesia um, of crabs on a rock looking absolutely happy, grinning, almost like these were the two beady eyes. This was its smile and 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 held within the you know the upper part and the lower part of the crab and i kept looking at it and think i couldn't i couldn't stop seeing the glyph of cancer as i was looking at this crab um, so great so you're saying the the emotionality the the movement part of of cancer being kind of contained in a shell is what yes. you're saying yes okay yeah, being contained behind the shell, in effect, protecting the 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 animation, protecting the the movement from the ebb to the flow, from the expression to the containment, from whatever the opposite emotions you, you want. There's movement. The movement isn't necessarily obvious. It's held within the shell. Nice. Okay, now, yeah. cancer is related um, uh, at at atomically. Um, to um, either the belly or the breasts. Um, uh, one could, with a little bit of imagination, turn those into two breasts, I think. One would have to make some additional notations on them. Um, but I don't know that there's a specific relationship here um, to the body itself. Um, even in the belly, there is movement going on um, that is contained. But I don't think that, I mean, I, I think that that's my um, intellectual extensions of what was actually there. I don't think that that's really what the symbol, I think the symbol really me is the rising and falling of the tide, you know, is the two opposite directions of the moon. Um, and it's contained, um, you know, within, within the show. Hmm. But if these things help us remember what the body parts are associated with or any of it, then it's helpful, even if you made it up. Absolutely. Uh, yes, yes, and, and yes. I need another sip on my yes on my Aries cup. Leo. Um, you know, again, we have separated from the sacred geometry and are more in the realms of the pit pictorial, because here it doesn't take a large stretch of the imagination um, to see the flowing mane of a lion or lioness. Um, and, and again, I can see in my mind many instances of, um, uh, of pictures that have been made by artists out of the Leo glyph that have turned it into a lion with a mane. Um, and it's been said by many astrologers that you can look at people with strong Leo influence and you can see their manes. <laughs> You know, um, there's certainly a bit of um, of truth to that. 
um, and even the relationship between you know the planets and the signs which we're not really doing completely here although i think i've mentioned them i think we have um that the planet related to leo is the sun you know and and also we see people with lots of leo energy often also you know um you know having these leonine like manes if you will um I think also with the the symbol of Leo is we see a lot of movement. It's 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 a real creative motion, and I don't mean that there's anything inherently creative about this glyph as it is. But if you think of the motion, there's lots of swirls in different directions, and it's all contained, and it's in a way, um, you know, Leo in some ways represents the outer expression. Um, one could say that there are two separate spheres here and that here is the outward expression. You could make all this stuff up. I don't think that, that again, with the planet I and mean, with the signs, I don't necessarily think there's that same sacred geometry consistency. I just think really here, we're looking at Leo as, you know, the sign of relating to the, it's a glyphic representation of the lion. Now here though is where I would just like to put in <clears throat> a little point of view because we brought this up with Taurus the cow, you know, or Taurus the bull, um, and how we have this male bias in astrology. Um, I would even call it a systemic male bias in astrology. Um, um, and, and, and here I'm going to say, show you in Leo how, how wide that is. Because when we think of Leo, I mean, when we think of the sign Leo, what words, what concepts, when your mind even, you know, what comes to mind when you think of a Leo? Um, lion, sun, radiant, warm, charismatic, creative, magnetic, uh, playful. Good. Yeah, I would say all of those are true. And I would say that you... Um, not consciously, most likely, but you avoided some of the ones that are also most associated um, with, and I'm pleased that you did, um, because it's hard for people to disassociate um, Leo from being um, dramatic, right? boastful. Oh, I don't think of those things. Yeah, okay. Good, good. Yeah. Because, but those are those are the classic definitions or the classic concepts behind Leo, but even things like playful and well, that's a mix with the, there's another one you said, um, a lot of these things are really more aimed at, at defining the male lion than the female lion, because the picture that we have of the lion of the Leo of wanting to be on stage of the, you know, of the um, 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 Mick Jagger prancing is like Leo like um, Madonna Leo like, I mean, we have these, um, even Paul McCartney, who's a Gemini has a Leo moon. And at the end of almost every song, he prances around the stage with his guitar in the air, like, 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 I'm the center of the tension here, you know, um, and and Leo has that that ability to over dramatize and to make pre presentation. All it's all it's outward manifestation, outward manifestation, mm -hmm. expression, creativity, the sun shining. All right. Well, the male Leos lions spend much of their adult life uh, in determining their hierarchy 
in their local community of lions because the alpha lion um, doesn't just get the alpha lioness. In the lion community, the alpha lion gets all the local lionesses. Mm -hmm. So the guys have a lot at stake and therefore they spend much of their lives fighting, play fighting, sport fighting, roaring, boasting, I'm the best, look at me, I'm the center of attention, I can, I'm, I'm stronger and better and more than you, you need to love me. Because the one who is the most loved and has the most hierarchy, if you will, becomes the top cat. The female lions don't have that shit going on. You know why? Because they're raising the family. They're doing the work. They're taking care of the kids. They're taking out the trash. They're balancing the books. They're doing the hunting. They're they're just, they they they're they're getting on with life. They're they're protecting their kids with their lives, which is when a lioness can become as fierce, maybe fiercer than any lion, is when she's protecting her cubs. Mm. But we have this inherent male bias because the female lion the lioness the female leo and again i'm not talking about whether you are um you know whether you are a male or female by gender i'm talking about the energetics itself because a lioness doesn't have to be outgoing at all a lioness can be absolute see the the, the key word for me for the lion is less dramatic boastful expressive it's about intent I saw a National Geographic um, special years ago where this um, uh, large animal, I don't think it was a rhino, but I don't, I, um, coming toward um, a cub or three cubs playing. And the mother lion puts herself in the exact path halfway between this oncoming animal threatening and basically just stands there doesn't roar, doesn't pace, doesn't yell, just stands there and stares. And that stare is so fierce that the animal backs away and goes, I'm, I'm not messing, goodbye, you know. And Where do you that, see this, Rick? On a National Geographic special. Oh, so great, wow. It was not an astrology special. Right. And I've learned over the years often more about the signs from nature than mm. I have from books. Well, well, do you think that that Leo, though, is meant to be the lion and not actually the lioness since their qualities are so different? I mean, no, lioness I, signs sounds more like Virgo or I mean, just it just sounds like a different archetype. No, Well, no, I think it's supposed to be uh, inclusive. I think it's the animal, the lion. OK, like I think male Taurus, and female. like I think the Taurus is the animal of, um, you know, the bovine uh, the bovines, whether it's um, a bull or a cow, whether it's a water buffalo or, you know, or um, or what else. Um, I think that here, Leo, we mistakenly turn into a male Leo who is roaring. Right. Most okay. astrologers, it is changing. And what and and I was very pleased to hear what you what your take was, because it's not what most people most people would say, oh, Leo's. You know, they're proud, they need attention, they're the center, they want center stage, they're boastful, they're on, and, and those are true of one aspect of the lion, to differentiate it from the lioness, who is basically focused on doing with 100% 
intensity. I mean, Leo is fixed fire. They're going to do what they need to do to continue doing what they're doing, as opposed to an Aries, which is a cardinal or beginning fire. They're going to do whatever they need to do to start doing what they're doing. Right. <laughs> Leo is going to follow through and it's going to, it's going to raise the family. It's going to protect the kids. It's going to do the work. I mean, Leos, when they are energetically committed, um, are just as much workaholics as Capricorns because they are fully committed with the intent of basically doing in action what they need to do. I think Maurice Fernandez said something about Leo several years ago that stuck with me, stuck with me. And it was, it was that Leo doesn't necessarily want the spotlight or the leadership. It's not like, it's not necessarily craving it. It just knows that someone needs to do it and it's willing to step up into that role. And Maurice, I'm sorry, if you're listening and I'm like paraphrasing no, no, correctly, that, that, that sounds okay. like something sorry. Maurice would say. Yes. And that, and that sounds like a healthy Leo. Yes, exactly. Because, because, because when a Leo needs to be the center of attention, that's not a strong ego. That's a lack of an ego. That's the insecurity that comes right. through. Yes. And it is the insecure um, Leo that basically needs attention. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's the first, that's the first response of their insecurity is love me, see me feel me, Tommy, you know, it's, it's the, give me feedback and let me know that, you know, that I'm here. It's the sun saying I'm shining for you. You know, if you don't love me, if you don't worship me, this is Saul Invictus, the, you know, the pre-Christian Roman religion. This is the Egyptians religion that their God was the sun God, you know, and their belief was if they didn't pay homage, if homage, if they didn't worship the sun, it'd go out. <laughs> But that's but that's an insecure Leo. So yeah, right. I totally and agree. all all signs have an insecure expression, right? I mean, an insecure Capricorn's gonna have the control thing on on hyper level, right? Yes, yes. All, all signs have the insecure, secure polarity. They all also have the um, the yin yang, gender, masculine, feminine polarity. Mm -hmm. um, there are many ways to express the energy. And but in talking about Leo, just because we talked about in Taurus, the difference between the male and female, I wanted to make sure we nice. got that here too. I like that you brought that in. That that helps to round out the the qualities that could be expressed through Leo. Really yeah, nice. and you know, one other thing here, just talking about the signs energy in general, we get such stereotype responses on signs. Um, as you know, when we get to um uh, well, we'll get a taste of it in the next sign, Virgo. Um, but when we get to the more complicated feminine signs, um, including uh, Pisces and, um, and and Capricorn, we'll see that that we have judgments about these signs that are more cultural than they are um, valuable. Mm. All right, I have to say that this Virgo glyph is not my favorite version of this Virgo glyph, but it's the one, actually, I'm going to switch here and I'm going to draw the best I can on the screen because, as I said last week, I don't have a tablet on this computer. I My other laptop is has a touch screen, so I don't use that here. But um, this is the old traditional glyph or one of them, and you can see it looks like there's a retrograde on it, and in a way, this glyph, I think, is tying the fact that Virgo is the second sign of Mercury, 
Gemini being the first sign of Mercury. And starting with Virgo, incidentally, we will get the second sign of each of the planets that we've gone around with so far, because we had um, Mars, Aries, which will come up again in Scorpio. We had Taurus, uh, um, uh, Venus, Taurus, which will come up again in Libra. Um, and we had Mercury, Gemini, which is coming up again here now. Um, but I, I don't use this glyph. I don't know anyone who does. Um, the glyph that I normally use, and I'm going to just pop up here, something similar to that. Wow. So that's very different than the other one with that big R. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's why I'm saying that there are, the, the, and I think that that's, um, it's an older version, but I don't think it's necessarily the version that one sees in handwriting. It's a typographic adaptation. It just happens to be in that particular type font that, that, um, that I use. Um, <clears throat> but I should say that what's important about Virgo is its similarity to this symbol, which I'm going to try to do and probably not do well either. Yes, I often get confused about those two. And it's interesting that these two signs actually have more in common than most people think. Mm. Um, I mean, first of all, that the, the, the top sign obviously is Virgo, the bottom sign is Scorpio. Um, well, you, you, know, you know what's between them, Libra. Uh yeah, Libra. So Libra is balancing in some ways the energy of Virgo and Scorpio. Now, the RX part on Virgo is is the the, the other variation. This, in a way, what we're what what we're looking at here is that the energy throughout the year with Aries explodes into being. In Taurus, it gains wood. Uh, structure, stability. In Gemini, it fragments into leaves and also bugs in the air. <laughs> you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, that's when, that's typically when little gnats and mosquitoes and buzzy things begin to appear in, in the Gemini energy. And I find it interesting because I've noted this over the years that sometimes when Mercury or Venus are ahead of the sun and the sun is still in Taurus, and Mercury or Venus go into Gemini, it's almost like who turned the bug, you know, function on, you know, all of a sudden they're flying around. Um, and then in Cancer, um, the energy becomes more underground and growth. It's the time and anyone who's a gardener knows that in Cancer, in that period of time, you water your garden a lot because everything is growing, but the growth is is being fed from underground. There's this whole sense of, um, you know, of that of, of the nurturing that's necessary um, for growing things at that time of year. And in many places, it's also a wetter time of year that even in the summer that there's some, some moisture that comes. Um, in Leo, the flowers are out. Love me. I'm beautiful. Here I am. You know, okay, don't love me. Here I am anyhow. I'm still beautiful. I'm coming up no matter what, whether you, you know, there, but there's that Leo sense to the expression of, of, of beauty or the expression of the sun in the sunflower, so to speak. Um, in Virgo, the energy is interesting because it's not yet autumn, but, and the energy is still going out. Remember in Cancer, at the summer solstice, the energy begins, the sun begins coming up, the energy is expressing outward, but it's behind, it's still within the shell. 
in Leo, that energy is coming outward and now it's seen. That sun is up every day. It's that relentless summer sun in many places. That's Leo. And then in Virgo, the energy is still coming out, but it's like at the beginning, it comes out slowly, then it moves fast. And then in Virgo, that energy begins slowing down in order to eventually start pulling back in. So Virgo has this mixed thing of it's still summer, the days are still getting longer, but they're not getting, the light is not increasing at the same rate that it was. In fact, I'm gonna say this carefully, the amount that the light increasing every day decreases. The amount of the increase gets less and less every day until it's no longer increasing at all, at the end of Virgo, which is the um, autumnal uh, equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, when the energy begins then pulling back in in Libra, Libra being the perfect balance between six months of energy coming out, six months of energy going in, and that's the scales. We'll get to that next week. Let's stick with, uh, with Virgo just for a moment. But understand that Virgo and Scorpio straddle the two sides of the scale. And on one side, Virgo is fully expressing, this is the time of the harvest. This is various religions and, um, and um, pagan traditions have harvest holidays, you know, in the Virgo time of year, because you're reaping what you've sown. And, um, and the energy in Virgo becomes packed. You see, Virgo begins to prepare for the six months of energy in, inside or down, you know, the, the, uh, the second half of the cycle. In Virgo, we have the wheat that's planted in the spring, spring wheat planted in the spring, and it grows to fruition. And then by Virgo, it begins to take the flowering energy of the wheat and package it back into seeds so that it can be propagated to grow next year. And that's when we go whack. <laughs> that's when we take that, 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 that scythe and we basically cut it off and we take the wheat. And why do we take the wheat then? Because the external expression that peaked in Leo, which is now receding, is now packaged in these very tightly packaged uh, bundles of energy that we can eat for energy. And so in Virgo, you have the symbol of Virgo um, of that cut, you know, of the wheat. This really, in some ways, this the symbol of Virgo and Scorpio are both based upon the Hebrew letter Mem, which is our modern letter M. It's the M that is Mom. In other words, the Hebrew letter M is a symbol of femininity. Libra is a masculine sign, masculine again, you know, in the polarity yin yang. And Virgo and Libra are both yin signs. They're both feminine. In Virgo, the energy is pulling. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say that right? Virgo is feminine. Scorpio is, is feminine. feminine. Libra is masculine. Correct. Okay. Because, be, because the cardinal signs, no, because the air signs, sorry, are, are masculine. Mm. The fire and air are our masculine positive yang and the um, water and earth signs are yin feminine um, negative polarity. Mm -hmm. And again, negative, not as a judgment, just as a differentiation. <clears throat> so with Virgo and Scorpio, 
we have this um, symbol for the symbol for femininity. But in Virgo, it's held in, it's cut off, it 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 becomes analytical. It be, and the analysis of Virgo, um, very simply stated, and you see this not in the glyph but in the symbol. Um, for Virgo. The symbol for Virgo is often the maiden holding the the, the, the wheat, the bundles of wheat. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? You've seen that symbol. Well, we need to understand two things here. First of all, Virgo is Latin for virgin, but in the Roman tradition, um, a virgin was not necessarily someone who didn't have sex. It was someone who was not owned, someone who was not property. And so we have um, temple virgins who performed these Asclepian rites of, um, of intense uh, awakening that were sexually based, but a male couldn't ask for them. They had to be offered. Um, even a prostitute was considered to be a virgin because she was not property and therefore she could not have sex. She did not have sex upon demand. It, she was a free being. She could say yes or no. And here we get to Virgo's basic underlying concept and that Virgo is the sign of binary yes, no. It is the zero one of the universe. And Virgo, as I said, the, the latter feminine signs get increasingly bad raps or lack of understanding. But Virgo is simply the ability to say no which of course, if you're a male asking for sex, you don't like. And so Virgos all of a sudden become prissy. They become prude. They become, they're, 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 they're limited. They're narrow. I mean, there's all these negative judgments on Virgo in the, in the modern archetype. Right. And those, and those are in the archetype. And those judgments are largely um, patriarchal judgments that are judgments against the idea of an unowned feminine. Remember, you know, historically, modern history um, is that um, a woman was owned by her husband. She was property, period, like it or not. That's the way it was. And in some places it still is. And in some places, even where it isn't, there are still artifacts of it still being that way. Um, you know, but it's thanks to someone like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, that women can actually have their own credit card, not one in their husband's name. It's crazy. All right. But Virgo is basically the ability to say no because it's not owned, but it's a feminine energy. And the analysis piece of Virgo has to do with that maiden holding the wheat and separating the wheat the usable pulse, the grain from the chaff, the unusable leftover stalk of the wheat. That process becomes this. This is good. This is bad. This is useful. This is not. That The maiden is not this thing to be felt sorry for because she's never had sex and she's so young and un... No, the maiden is someone who is making her own decisions rather than dad's decisions or her husband's decisions. And so here we have the strength of Virgo is in the ability to analyze what is useful and what is not. And this is inherently the difference between Mercury in Gemini versus Mercury in Virgo. Gemini will just say, information, give it to me. Virgo, on the other hand, says, information, 
is it useful? Is it valuable? Is it real? Is it factual? Hmm. All right. Let's, you know, but it's though it's that analysis which has to occur. And even though Mercury is often thought of as a mental intellectual air function, here it's an earth function because it has to do with that which is real. And Virgo as an earth sign, you know, there's this illusion that Virgos are virgins and not very sexual or passionate or romantic. And the opposite, in fact, is true. Because what it turns out to being is that Virgo, in its need to analyze, um, has this incredible ability to bring in energy to narrow it and focus it. Think of the wheat growing, 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 growing. And then in order to become the seed that we actually eat when we harvest the wheat, it pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls in. And, and, and now, whack, that's the moment we eat it. We use it. So Virgo has this incredible, profound, powerful ability to take this Gemini spectrum of everything and narrow it into a laser beam. And Virgo is laser-like. And it's laser-like to the extent that I may be a very loving person but because my expression band, unlike Gemini, which is all over, I was going to say all over the map, it's all over every map. Instead of that, my Virgo expression is so laser-like. If that laser beam is just an inch away from you, you won't even know there's a beam. You won't see any light from it. You won't see that beam unless it's exactly right on you. And when it is, it's hot enough to burn through anything. So we have these judgments that we make. Now, how does this all fit back to the symbol of Virgo? I think the important thing about the symbol of Virgo is that it's really representing the maiden and the wheat and the feminine energy. Um, and, and again, just to bring that into light with the difference between Scorpio, in Scorpio, that energy is still, it's still being expressed. It has a barb. Um, and sometimes we see that Scorpio energy. Let me... Um, Let's see, how can I do this real quickly? Um, um, well, you'll, you'll cover that one in depth next week. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I will. But what I wanted to do was simply show that, that, that energy, I'll just do it here on, on Virgo. Sometimes in Scorpio, um, that, that energy is actually shown going down. That you see, you see the barb or the tail of Scorpio going either way regardless of its directionality, and yes, we'll talk about it next week, the directionality has implies Mars. Mm, you know, okay. it implies fire, Sagittarius. Right. It's energy moving. And in, um, and in Virgo, it's not being moved. It's being cut off and harvested at its peak. Mm -hmm. So the, the X part could also be that, like, discernment and the, the cutting Right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Wow. That, that was an awesome decode for me because it, I'm, that one is, is, it does feel a lot more symbolic than the other ones, which feel most of them felt more literal. That one has a lot of symbol in it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we should also say when it comes to part of the body, uh, did we do that for, um, we did that for Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Gemini. did it for yes, cancer. cancer. Um, no. For Leo, we didn't really, but Leo's the heart. 
And that's not the breasts, that's the outer manifestation. And that's often associated with the nurturing of cancer, the milk and the, and the, and, and the connection to, the, to that, to the mothering. Um, with Leo, it's the actual heart center. You know, it's where love comes from, and um, and and it's also, um, as we now know, um, the electromagnetic radiation that comes out of the heart is in fact stronger than that which comes out of the head, and so um, that Leo and um, and Aries are trying is interesting, but we like to think that just because Aries is first doesn't necessarily mean that it's the strongest. Leo is. Um, is a stronger energy because it has sustenance. When we get to Virgo, um, um, and again, this, this symbol bugs me, but I'm leaving it up. Um, in the body, Virgo is the intestines. And for some people that goes, oh, no, hey, the intestines may be the most important organ, you know, that we're alive. The intestines um, is basically the real brains of the brain. Why? because it's in the intestines that we determine what we're going to keep and what we're not. It goes back to that binary decision that says, you know what, I really love ice cream and chocolate cake, but the Virgo says too fucking bad. You don't get it, uh, that's shit. And I use the word shit, that's Virgo is where the decision is made as to what gets through the walls of the intestine, what is what becomes nutrient, what becomes energy for the system, and what is shit, what gets sent on down the line to become basically part of Pluto's domain and becomes excreted and we don't need this anymore. It's not part of the, it's not part of the process anymore, it's separate. Um, so Virgo, as part of the intestines, there are many traditions, both modern naturopathy and ancient healing, Ayurvedic yogic traditions that say um, if, the, um, if the intestines are healthy, the body is healthy. If the body is not healthy, the intestines are not healthy. That's where the health healing needs to occur. And we live in a world of, um, of obesity and of bad digestion and of processed food. And this is where the importance of Virgo uh, really comes into what our modern dilemma is um, that we hopefully um, can learn from Virgo and reintegrate it and her energy or its energy into our being. Mm, beautiful, thank you, Rick. This has been, I, I'm so glad we only did six today. Um, and we'll do our the remaining six next week. I would love to hear from you. How many of you learned something new today or had an aha moment that helped you like solidify your understanding of these glyphs? I know that happened for me last week, definitely happened again this week. I'd love to hear from you and which one. And then also, if you have any sort of interpretation that you'd like to add to any of the glyphs, that would be really interesting. Yeah, maybe we could share some of the best of them, you know, uh, next week. And also next week, what I'll do is I'll put together some photographs um, so that you can see some of the things that I've already talked about that I have that I mentioned. Super fun. And I'm definitely going to take you up on your offer to do all 12 signs in 120 <laughs> seconds or less. We're doing it have, next week. I might have to write that one out and time it. 
<laughs> nice. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here for being here for this cosmic connection this week, being a part of our community. If you're interested in see, this is just like this is Rick's surface level. So you can imagine what it means when he's saying we're going to go deeper and we're going to go wider. There's so much more within the level one and the level two classes. So we'd love to have you in those. That's astrologyhub.com slash foundations two. astrologyhub.com slash foundations two. That's the number two. Um, and we'd love to see you in class for that. In the meantime, we'll look forward to the continuation of this series of understanding the glyphs next week. And anything else you want to add before we sign off here, Rick? Moons and Taurus, um, enjoy yourself. <laughs> nice. Yes, sir, we will. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks for being a part of our community. And thank you, as always, for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode.